Hello and welcome to the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. Today we have on the on the podcast Coach Eddie Vincent. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Coach, uh, give the listener a little background about yourself so they, they know what you're all about. Um, well, I, uh, I'm from Marion County originally. Uh, when I started coaching, I was in, in Marion County outside of college, and I was a... Uh, Started coaching football in 1992, <clears throat> and then I was really young, and I took a year off after that. And then in '94, there's a coaching change in my alma mater. He, my one of my former coaches, hired me uh, back at the school that I attended high school at. So I started coaching football then, and really got a love. Got once I got it in me, it was like a infection or something. I couldn't get it out, and stayed in Marion County for six years, and I uh, coached a little bit, of, coached a little bit of track in in there, off and on, but. <clears throat> I had an opportunity to become a head coach at 30 years old, and uh, I took that opportunity. I was I was named head coach at Buchanan Upshur High School. Uh, I'm currently principal of that school, but at the time I was 30. This was 20 years ago, and I got my first head coaching job. Um, learned a lot what not to do first year or so, and then I uh, went on a pretty good run. Our team did, and they worked really hard, and I, w- I was there for six years, had some success, made a lot of friends. Then I tried coaching in college for a couple years, which I really liked. Uh, thought I would do that the rest of my life, but it's hard coaching in a small college. You don't you don't make a lot of money. And then I had a young family, and it was growing. I had our third kid, so uh, really, my wife wanted me to get back into high school coaching. So I took the opportunity to become head coach at Lewis County High School because I wouldn't have to drive. I would I'd have to drive and not to move. So. Only 30 minutes from my house, so I took that Lewis County job, which at the time they were, I want to say that we Lewis had lost close to 30 games in a row at one point then, and uh, knew it was going to be a gamble and a risk, but I, I wanted to try it, and um, I was a lot better coach the second opportunity I had as head coach than I was the first time, and then I stayed there for eight years, and then uh, at, during that time I, I worked on my my degree in uh, school administration, educa- education leadership, and got that done. Wasn't planning on using it. And then my kids coming up through high school, a lot of my decisions have been based on family family needs. My kids started high school, the athletic director job at Buchanan Upshur opened up, so I took it, got out of coaching. And um, I was only AD for one year, and then the principal retired suddenly in the summertime. And next thing I know, I'm the I'm the head principal, and that's five years ago. So here I am, Coach. That's awesome. Talk a little bit about when you were when you were coaching. Like, what were your philosophies? Like, off what's your what was your offensive philosophy when you were when well, you were coaching? When I was this, an assistant, and I was very involved in the plan and preparation. I've always been a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. I, I as a player, I like defense. As a as a as a young coach, as an assistant, I always had more interest in coaching. Defense, and I love to read. I, I collect, uh, I collect historical books on football, and um, that I've always wanted my teams to be power running game, misdirection stuff, and great defense and special teams. And that's kind of how I've always approached the game. I'm, a, you know, I've always coached track, infused that in with football. I think it's extremely important, and I think a lot of people miss that. They miss the opportunity to get kids, um, you know, 
all about weight room stuff. And I love teaching and coaching weight room and lifting. And and I, I make that a big part of our program. But that coaching track element, being able to get kids lifting and running and competing is very important for football. And I, I think I, I think some guys realize that, but there's a lot of guys I've been around that, that just want kids to lift weights. And, <clears throat> and honestly, I, I think they're making a mistake with that. <clears throat> yeah. And you sent me a video last night of a guy cleaning your, your weight room. That was awesome. Yeah, and that's like, that's what that's actually our basketball coach who's starting a new business where he is sanitizing field houses, weight rooms, school rooms. Um, so he he's trying to build a business where he's working on this. Uh, he, he very similar to how hospital disinfects their their property. That's what he's it's what he's trying to build with athletics. That's really cool, coach. So you. You've taken, you know, your philosophy with football, obviously your your core, like, culture, and, and taking that into your administrative role. Talk about, about that a little bit. So how do they, how do they like, mesh together? Um, well, actually, more so than you might think. Um, my football approach was, was simple, too. You know, I, I learned a long time ago, you can't have too many plays. You can't have – you can't run every offense that's out there. You can't have – five or six defenses that you're working on. You can't, there, there's no time for that. Kids can't get that at this age. They can't get that in the NFL that many, that much stuff. So I found, and I, I'm a assistant administrator, I'm the same way. I'm known as the guy that likes to keep things simple. And, I, and I've always said you can't get good at anything if you have too many, too many things going on. And that's exactly how I approach it being an administrator. It's just like being a football coach. You've got to get good people around you. You don't want to micromanage too much. You want to let them have some freedom and creativity to be able to to do some things on their own. But yet, they got to know that you're always right there and you're able to help and uh, give them some good guidance. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, you know, our kind of our second conversation in this podcast, I really want to dive into is, you know, talk about when as an administrator. So what are, what are some things you're looking for in a, in a head football coach or when you hire assistant football coaches, maybe, you know, as teachers or not as teachers, like what's your, what's your checklist when you're looking at what do I want in a, in a football coach? Well, you, you, I always think like if I had a son, which I don't have three daughters, but if I had a son, I would make those decisions based on what I want my kid to play for and that doesn't mean I'm looking for easy either. I mean, I, I want I want people that are fair, demanding, but but good to good to kids. And I look for the same thing in teachers as I do in coaches. They they, they got to like kids and like what they're doing. Um, you can be tough and difficult on people, but if you're fair and honest and and not cruel, I think I think you they, they appreciate that. And uh, so I, I do look for that. I look. Everybody was going to say the, you know, the cliches, you know, you want loyalty, hard work, and of course, all of that. But you really want good people that that you can trust. And, um, <clears throat> and I, you know, I heard a long time ago, and I guess it's probably in the early 90s, our athletic, our athletic director at East Fairmont High School, where I was coaching at the time, said that the school year is largely determined by how the football season goes. So... And, and, and to some degree, they're exactly right. A lot of the climate and culture issues around schools and attitudes and things come from athletics, and it comes from, in particularly, football. And those schools that have great football programs, it, there's a lot of things that happen because of that. 
Yeah, and I, I had a principal a couple years ago tell me that, and it just stuck with me. Like, oh, man, how the football team goes. Uh, it's not, yeah. you know, not how the whole school year will go, but how it'll start off. Well, and, it starts out, and, and that's and I've seen it after, after all these years that I've seen that affect the school, um, the mentality and the attitude of a school. And then it also, as that kid goes on and they graduate and the stuff that they remember, you know, I don't know. I've talked to thousands of kids and not, you know, when I go to reunions and I go to places, people want to talk about football and athletics. They never want to talk about other stuff. And most conversations centered around things like the football season, the football team, how the football team do. That's, that's, and that's everywhere like that. Yeah. And, you know, I think about like when, when a coach wants to build a program, he's trying to build a school as well. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Like as a football coach, should my, should there, should our view as a coach be like, okay, I'm building a program, but I'm also helping with the school environment. And those kids, those 30, 40, 50 players that you have on that team, they're, they are delegates and liaisons to you from you. So you, you got these 30 to 50 kids or so playing. Those, those are the, the liaisons to the community and to the parents. And if those parents and their community members are happy, and a lot of their information comes from your players and your students. Um, so if that happens, you've got a lot better chance to be successful if, if the parents like what they're hearing from their kids. And what, what I mean by that is if the kid feels like they're being coached well, are they being treated fair, are they getting opportunities that are um, – you know, equal, I mean, those kind of things, and th- those treatments of people. I think you know those kids go home and tell their parents a lot more than you will know. And and then if you have that, where the parents start trusting you, and and I felt like that I had that going in Lewis County, where the parents they were believing. You know, we we were running wing tee football and fifty defense, and our and we were able to convince our players that this was the the way to win, and they believed that, and it worked. Uh, so we, some of it's luck, but in, but in school it's the same way. I mean, you know, if you you're taking certain certain scheduling options and certain things like that, and if you believe that this is going to make you better, then most of the time it's going to happen. And okay. if your teachers believe in it, your kids will believe in it, and those same kids go home and tell their parents about the teachers and their counselors and their principals. Yes, yeah, that's, that's the ticket getting the buy-in. So how do you like? What are some ways that you? Or were some steps you took to get that get that buy-in? Well, I, I think, and I, I want to cite the Lewis County experiment of mine. For eight eight years, I was there. I think our kids and our parents recognized how hard we were working. So that buy-in, you know, they're like, "Whoa, you know, I'm going to have weightlifting, and guess what? All me and all my coaches are going to be there every time, and we're not there working out with you. We're there coaching you." You know, Olympic athletes still got to get coached. So you might be working out for a couple of years. You still need some help, though. And you still got to be coached up. And so, uh, to me, our players saw how hard our staff worked. And, and when I first got to Lewis, we, during the season, we would we would work as a staff. We worked seven days a week. We have film sessions on Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, we did that for several years until we got the thing off the ground and really being and really working. And we didn't change offenses or defenses the whole eight years I was there. Same terminology, everything, all the way through. So, and there, in fact, Lewis is still doing that. I've been I've been away from there for five years, but they're still using the same offense and defense that we started in two thousand seven with. 
Wow, Coach, that's awesome. You really, I mean, you set that culture, and it's it's in stone. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm real proud of it. And most of those guys that were, are there now were there with me as assistants. And I had a, had a tough, that's a tough decision, a life decision you make when you, you want to leave something you love. And uh, there's many days I wish I was still coaching football, honestly. And, and being a head football coach is just as hard as being a principal. Um, I always tell people, I, I've told teachers in the past that don't complain about this coach because he has to give his test on Friday night and the public gets to watch. And his, his reputation, he's at the mercy of a bunch of teenage boys playing a sport on a Friday night in front of a couple thousand people, and that's his exam. He has to give it every week. So, you know, I, I always said if, if some of our academic people thought the same way, they'd prepare a whole lot better if they knew that all of their 200 students have to take a public exam once a week. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that. A couple of years ago, uh, I was talking to a principal where I was working, and they were talking about my evaluation, you know, getting my, my goals in and stuff. I said, my evaluation is on Friday night. <laughs> like, that's, that's right. That's where I get evaluated. You got a, a couple thousand evaluators. Yeah. yeah and, and the other thing about football season, the season itself, you know, I always say, okay, so if, if, the, if the SAT test is our ultimate measuring stick for students, then how are how are teachers going to prepare those kids? So, because if it's football season, it's seven days a week. You you you're working. You know, I used to come home on Friday nights and start watching film for the, like, before the Saturday morning film session. Now, could you imagine teachers doing that and preparing like that for to give a kid an exam where they would work on Saturdays and Sundays as a department? trying to work on ways to plan for the week and prep so that the kid could be successful taking the SAT test. That stuff doesn't happen like that. And, and especially don't it for no pay. Yeah, I mean... And, I, and I'm always shocked at the number of people that want to coach football for the low pay or no pay at all. It's amazing to me. The hours that they're willing to do. You show me another field outside of coaching that, would, that people do that with. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't think you'd find one. I, you know, the three week period here in West Virginia. I mean, we do for free. I mean, right. On top of oh, all the you, other stuff you do, hey, you do it for free, and so do you know. Like, I got an athletic director, and he's his contract's up for his number of days, but he's gonna have to work the three weeks in in July for no pay. Yeah, and, it's because we love uh, it, I guess. <laughs> well, we, uh, th- that's right. And but I, I'm just saying, I remember I, I, I've seen guys volunteer put in just as many hours as I did as a head coach for no pay at all. And they have families, they have other jobs that they don't, you know, they may not be making a lot of money, but they're still willing to do that. And I can't think of another, I can't think of any other field other than particularly coaching and especially coaching football that that applies to. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great, that's great insight there, coach. That's fantastic. Um, you know, talking about meetings, one of the things that we I've kind of experienced, I guess we've all experienced, is these Zoom meetings. So if you were if you were a football coach again, let's say you, you know you go back in time, what how would you use like the Zoom meeting, the Google Meet? Is that something you would want to use in your program? Yeah, well, of course you're not. When I was in coaching, there there was that nobody had to do that. In fact. You know, when I left, they were we were just getting into huddle and things like that. I mean, that's that's how fast things change. And five years from now, it'll be a whole different 
conversation that we're having about what, what football is doing or not doing or, or whatever. I, I don't know how I would do it. I, I've given, I, I've seen what my coaches now have to do. With, I think it'd be easy to do the staff Zoom meetings and to have, and to have staff meetings like that, I think. To have team meetings like that, I mean, that would be tough to have. You'd have to, I mean, I can see how you could do it by position coach, possibly, how you would have a, how we normally had a, a you know, breakout session, you would have it. So I, I could see me talking to a team, maybe, on a, on a Zoom or Teams meeting, and then having my position coaches have smaller meetings with with their kids instead of in the bitch, you know, face-to-face meetings, but I don't know if I would enjoy coaching right now, especially during this pandemic and the stuff that I've seen guys have to have to try to figure out and go through. It's it's just like with being a principal, though. It's been a nightmare. The, the whole, you know, figuring out the grades and the what what you know the the, the preparation at the end of the year and graduation plans and all that stuff. It's been difficult. So I, I know it's going to be difficult in, in athletics too, particularly football because of the teaching element in it. Yeah, and I think about you know, like how are we going to how are we going to go forward? So what are your what's your take on you know what what's next in this in this COVID nineteen well, pandemic? One thing I see coming out of this that's going to be positive is that I think facilities will be cleaner, and I've always worried about sanitation. And of course, you know the problems used to be what you worried about was ringworm and and skin, you know, MRSA and things like that that you could get in a weight room or a locker room. I, I think one of the, the real bright spots about all, that will come out of this is I think we'll be a lot more sanitary in, in how we do things. But I don't know, you know, I'm hoping this thing is, I, I got a feeling that the COVID thing is going to be something we have to deal with the rest of our lives in some, in some area or some element. Um, so hopefully the medical world can figure out a, a way to lessen the effects with medicine or something for, but I'd hate to see our way of life and particularly our way of athletics. And, you know, I was sitting around the other day. I can't imagine this country not having a football season on a Saturday or Friday night or Saturday afternoon. I just can't imagine it. Um, so I'm worried about it. I don't know how it's all going to play out, but there'll be things that happen to this that, that turned into positives. Yeah. I think about, you know, our our staff meetings on Sundays, football staff meetings. I'm going to do them on Google Meet instead of having, you know, yeah. guys drive from all over. And yeah, but, but it's just like an online class where I've taken online classes. You know what though? I like I like regular classes. I like classrooms. I like teachers. I like that that interaction. I still don't like the the technology meetings and and those on those virtual meetings and things like that. Like like an online class to me. I just don't feel like. I'm not as comfortable. I'm a people person. I'd rather be, I'd rather be in a in a small room with five or six coaches and spread out and getting our work done that way. If I had to choose, so it's going to be more convenient. I mean, you wouldn't have to, you know, drive to have a, a meeting that kind of thing. You can have any time, but it's also there's a challenge to that. Oh, it's absolutely, like, yeah. And if I think like if you ever had to have. You know, like a really like tough conversation about something, we would obviously do it in person. But if it's a, you know, we're setting practice schedule, um, we're talking about you know game plan of the week. Um, you know, now with huddle, you can do practice scripts, play you know playbook stuff. That that's really taking a lot of work off. Oh yeah. Coaching. Oh, you're gonna have, and just like in a classroom, you're gonna have some kids that don't have as good of 
access as others. They're going to have distractions. They're going to. We have kids who share. You know, they have slow internet, and they can't get online where somebody else in their family is online because of the the broad the, the bandwidth and all that stuff. So they're we're going to. You're going to have those issues. In the, with, and what do you do with the kid who student who can't get access? And what do you do with your player that that mm-hmm. lives somewhere that they can't have the access that the other kids do? Right. That's stuff you guys gonna have to deal with, and it's the same as the principal dealing with some of our teachers and students who don't have the the equal access. Yeah, and you know, our like all our all our player stuff will be in person, but the coaches, you know, I'm I'm looking at virtual, but you know, who knows? We may not like it, and that's one thing that's great though about football coaches. I feel like is as a profession, we're generally generally open to experimentation. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, coach community is so open i mean that yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, i've stolen everything i've ever done from somebody else <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. well yeah there's nothing really new i mean the stuff that people think is new in football is really old it's just re- it's renamed and recycled and uh, i don't know if there's anything truly new and innovative it's just it's altered things and like i said I, I look back at some of these books that i have that are 40 50 years old and it's unbelievable the the insight that some of these old coaches have. Oh yeah, I mean they. I had a book from like 1970, and we actually used some of that, some of it like verbatim a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, and there and there's so much good, good stuff out there, and and I really like how there's young guys like you who are doing these podcasts and using Twitter and things like that to help the coaching profession. It's a great thing. Yeah, I, I started this podcast just so. Well, it was selfish, actually, so I could go back and listen to people talk, right, and and, and steal some yeah. ideas. Oh, always looking to borrow things. Oh, absolutely, and you know it's turned into something that's pretty cool. I mean, I don't have a ton of listeners, but uh, yeah. hey, it's it helps people, I guess. No, it's hey, and especially during during times like this. I mean, I I I love having a conversation about football, and I still. Even though, again, I've been out of it for five years, I still watch games like I'm coaching, and I still read, and I still draw X's and O's, and and I'll, every once in a while I'll send a friend something that, hey, take a look at this play, or wait, tell me what you think, and I, so there's nothing, to me, nothing better than, than engaging in a, a uh, football conversation, especially about scheme and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Coach, as we, as we wrap this thing up, talk about... You know what? What would be some of some advice for a coach that's looking to get into administration? Because I know there's some guy, a lot of guys want to want to do that or have done that. What is what well, are some main things people need to do? It, it's kind of a trap, honestly. I mean, you you get the illusion that you know. I know guys that go into administration, and, and honestly, a lot of them do it 
a lot of coaches have left coaching and went into administration. They were either burned out of coaching or they, there was an, uh, an impression that they were going to make more money. And, and most of the time you do make more money, but you also work more days. Um, that's what I tell you. I'm, I'm just like a teacher. I just work 60 more days than you do. And so, yeah, you make more money as an administrator, but you don't. You also you have to work for it. Uh, I, I would say my advice is I see I see guys getting out of coaching too young and getting in administration too early, and then you're looking at 20 or 25 years where you're going to have to be an administrator, and that's tough to survive. It, it's it's there's a short career span for particular high school principals and superintendents. It's only a it's usually a three to five year deal, and and you're looking elsewhere and. I see guys getting out of coaching in their 30s that they didn't think, they, they, first of all, you shouldn't have been burnt out in your 30s, but for whatever reason, they make that professional decision, and then five years later, they're like, whoa, I got I got 15 years left, what am I going to do? Mm. And that's, that's and, and it's hard to go in reverse, so you start making more money, you get a family, you start living a certain lifestyle, and then if you want to go back into the classroom and back, into, back on coaching, you're going to take a pay cut. And that's that's the, the the trap that people fall into, and and most and, and honestly too, most of good administrators that I've ever known were coaches at one time. But they they're able to relate to people and groups and teams better, and and they've also had to get deal with defeat and and deal with adversity, and they are able to tolerate things easier than a person that didn't coach anything. Oh, that's. That's good, Coach. That's that's some good good wisdom, Coach. I thank you for coming on. This is this has been really informative for me, for sure. All right, man. Anytime, I I, I will listen to your stuff, and I appreciate you having me, Coach. You're the man. I appreciate you. All right. Take care.